Yes, and the war is ramping up. Welcome to Rescue Radio. Let's pray. Father, God, the one true God, the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, to you we make our petitions known today. We cry out to you, Lord God. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to be the atonement for our sins, to release us from the grip of Satan, and to undo all of his charges that he's pressed against us, all the accusations, that we are free to walk in your truth, in your spirit, Lord God, for whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So let us to know that cause us to walk in the truth. You said you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and heart to receive the revelation of your truth. Lord, let our eyes be open. Let our hearts be uh, not rebellious, but willing to hear the good news that you've sent to us and also to use the, 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 pro- the promises, the powers, the authorities that you've given us to bind powers of darkness to loose the revelation of Jesus Christ and to forgive one another, to love our enemies. Follow us today, Lord God. Watch over us. Keep us as we walk through this swamp of lies and deception in our search for the truth. And Lord God, we know that the truth is today up for grabs. So <clears throat> I don't know what you've done with your weekend, but I'll tell you what, I had a, it took me about five whole minutes, maybe 15 this morning to get my bearings back to who I was and what I'm doing because I'd spent the weekend at a pagan music festival, you know, uh, where everything goes and anything's okay. And the only thing that's really of any alarm or concern or illegal or off limits is basically Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. What else did I do? I can't even remember. See, that's (laughs) the problem with your life. It goes so fast. You can't remember, but I do know the basics and the basics that I learned from this crazy weekend uh, is that there is and continues to be an ongoing and insidious battle for truth in the midst of us. Um, We're in the battle whether you want to be in the battle or not, whether you isolate, cocoon, and don't pay any attention to the news or anybody else or are not political uh, or not Christian, uh, don't have a faith, don't have a, a a value system or a belief system. It doesn't matter. You're in the deception. If you're on the planet breathing air, you're on, you're in the deception. So this is an insidious battle uh, for the truth. You know, it's, it's not a new thing. As a matter of fact, it actually started um, when Satan was kicked out of heaven. The war in heaven began. Um, at the, and it is a war over truth. It began when Michael and the archangel, the archangel kicked Satan. Uh, we can call him Satan. We call him the devil, um, Lucifer, whoever, what do you, you know, the, the great serpent of old whatever you want to call him, he was kicked out of heaven and and Michael, uh, the warring angel of heaven, um, kicked him to the earth. And then what happened was because there was um, such nativity on the earth that that people, Adam, Eve, had no no clue that there was any of this going on, um, that they just began to, you know, gullibly, naively, believe everything that they saw and heard and was told to them because they never had anything to compare it with. They never had any um, sense of deception or witchcraft or um, things like that, that they would say, whoa, 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 watch out, be careful, this could be wrong. But in Revelations chapter 12, verse 7, I'm going to just read a couple of verses here because this is where we are, people. Whether you want to be here or not, you just happen to be born at the right time to be in the middle of the last war. The war and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his uh, and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. For nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole earth. 
He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So we see that this war that started in heaven um, was thrust to the earth, uh, came to the earth. And it says, the devil came down. He says, verse 12, he says, Now therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Yeah, good. The devil's gone out of you. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Now, this implication of the, the war against truth, you know, truth is being redefined. Truth is, this is part of the big war because Jesus has told us the fruit of truth is freedom. And Satan hates truth. He hates freedom. And he wants us to be enslaved and in bondage to all kinds of things, including many mental health issues, physical issues, financial difficulties, relationship breakdowns, every painful, horrible, evil, sad thing that he can get you as the son or daughter of God locked up into. And so um, this is an insidious battle. It's twisted, perverted. Uh, it's like we talked about last time. It's about witchcraft full of twisting and perversions. Um, so truth is being re- redefined wherever you want it. it can, it's now uh, semantics or it's uh, euf- euphemisms or it's um, your truth is whatever you want it to be or, uh, you know, however you define it to be. Um, it's, it's, it's downplayed. It's people who carry the truth or seek the truth are considered... Um, you know, insignificant. Uh, we dissipate it, disarm it. We um, we get offended. Um, there are no absolutes. You know, in all of this drama and confusion over the truth, uh, it's all a ploy to distract us from the pursuit of truth. Jesus Christ, by the way, is the truth, and so it's not an ideology. It's not a certain church denomination. It's not a, a feeling. You know, a lot of people go spend all of their time pursuing happy thoughts and trying to be feel I'm trying to feel peaceful feel good feel protected feel secure uh you know and 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 they have various ways they try to do that of course by through money or through friends or through permission uh, prom, uh, positions or promotions or achievements or career uh, achievements or some sort of goal uh, oriented perfection performance based way to become good when in fact we already are made by God, good. Um, so there's there are many people who seek the truth, but but Satan in our very search for truth, you know, the hung, more hungry you are for truth, the more likely you are in some ways to be caught on the hooks of deception. Uh, Jesse Penn Lewis wrote a book two hundred years ago called War on the Saints, and she said this very important statement that in the last days, the those who would be the most likely to be deceived are the ones who are the most hungry for the truth. So just like any good fisherman, Satan baits the hook to catch you on the thing that you are the most hungry for, whether it's righteousness or truth or love or meaning or purpose, uh, identity, um, all those things. We're hungry to to know them, to have them. And, and so we're, we're searching like that little hungry fish for that lunch and in the search for this lunch, this satisfaction, this pursuit of truth, we become oftentimes hooked on lies and cults and tricks uh, of the enemy. So in the last days, we're in the last days. No one can really deny it. And I think 
we see the, the beginning signs of, of an eruption, you know, like when a volcano is about to go off or, a, 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 you know, Yellowstone or wherever it is, the geysers, the, the, the steam, the, there's, there's a rumbling. There's, a, there's a, a disruption in the plates of the earth. There's the earthquakes, the volcanoes, the whatnot. To tell you something is coming to the surface, but it doesn't start on the surface. It starts underneath. And we see this going on with the, the huge... Um, division. It's almost like an earthquake that's, that's creating a dividing line between righteousness, between the righteous and the unrighteous. It's, it's like, that's what the Bible says in the last days. It says the godly would become more godly and the ungodly would become more ungodly. And you can see that. You can see that very clearly if you pay attention to the news, fake news, good news, Twitter news, it doesn't matter. Wherever you can see the war, the hostility, the, the double standards, the hypocrisy, the hatred, the absolute vile, absolute uncalled for hatred, that has not been here. It wasn't here in the 50s. It wasn't here in the 60s. It wasn't here in the 70s. It wasn't here in the 80s. It wasn't really here in the 90s. And even in the 2000s when we had 911, there wasn't that kind of insidious hatred that we now see that's uncalled for. It's beyond, it's beyond reason. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like the, the population is going borderline. A borderline person, or with that diagnosis, I would say with that set of demons, <clears throat> is so out of control with fear and anxiety and their desire to be right and to control things that they will kill themselves to prove a point, their point. They will kill themselves to prove themselves right in your eyes. I mean, it's just like they're out of control. They're insane. They're, they're, it doesn't matter what it costs. It doesn't matter what we have we agreed to, to be right. They can agree that pedophilia is great and it's okay and we should pass laws to, to uh, protect pedophiles. I mean, we've had pedophiles everywhere all the time and now some is coming to the surface and even in our most sacred institutions called religious organizations who you don't need me to name because you already know who they are. There, there's this kind of this borderline insanity, craziness, and that means that that t- Satan is 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 urgent on this thing. He's he knows his time is short. The Bible says it. His time is short. He's 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 coming with great wrath to the earth, um, because he wants to deceive and capture, snare as many people as he can. And he's doing a great job. I'm not giving him any praise, just to note the the reality of it is it looks like he's pulling out all the stops. But we have to also know that God is behind the scenes and that all things work together for good to those who love God. Even the things that look like they're totally in your life, lost, out of control, miserably, terribly unfair, absolutely, hatefully unfair. They, They drive you to anger and rage and sickness, and you're trying to get justice it's better for you if you love the Lord to surrender the crime to God and live now as God would give you strength to live, to not be distracted by those injustices because God does mark iniquity in the fact that it doesn't get forgotten. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, the only iniquity God marks is that which has not been forgiven by the blood and through the blood of Jesus Christ. But nonetheless, there are many people out there who hate God. They do hate God, and they hate you for hating God. And like Paul says, you know, does my pursuing the truth, in my pursuing the truth, do do I become an enemy to you? Um, He who seeks the truth or speaks the truth makes himself a prey. That means the enemy, he makes himself a target. And so a lot of people in our position now, we must understand, I'm just giving you kind of a general broad overview of what's really going on, but you, it's, a, it's the understanding, the context to understand why this, the, the earth is trembling underneath your feet and why you don't speak out 
uh, a stand-up to the truth because the minute you do that, you become a prey. Satan's henchmen, Satan's uh, advocates, Satan's has in, has infested uh, and taken over. Uh, you know, he's controlled people through the body of death operating systems forever. And now those things are being activated and people you thought were good people, honorable people, you know, just people. Now you can't trust them. They're turning against you. They're going with blatant borderline behavior and insanity and accusing you of doing it. it that's what witchcraft does. It twists the things around. It makes an accusation uh, against you uh, for the thing it is doing. And then you have no heart. You have a hard time defending yourself. But going back um, <clears throat> to what we're into right now, in Matthew uh, 24, 24, we have Jesus's a very strict um, <clears throat> warning, admonition of the end times. And um, he says in 24, 24, uh, let's see. Well, let's just start actually with verse 4. He says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ and, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, seeing, see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. See that you are not troubled. See that you're not anxious. Don't let these things affect your peace. Don't let these things distract you from the focus of rejoicing. He says when you're persecuted, reviled, uh, treated unjustly, he says rejoice. <laughs> for your great reward is great in heaven. Re rejoice. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. This is the powerful, these are the powerful weapons of the believer to rejoice and to forgive and to stay focused on this should be a time of great rejoicing because the more the worse it gets out there, the more insta insane it gets, the more insidious, the more twisted, the more unfair, the more offend offense, the more crimes, the more heinous heinous crimes. Not that they make us rejoice and that our hearts are happy. But they tell us something that makes us happy. They tell us that Jesus Christ is coming back very soon. But one of the things here, he says, nations will rise against nations, <clears throat> kingdoms against kingdoms, famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. And then he says, then man will turn against man. They'll deliver you up to the tribulation and kill you, and, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. Um, persecuted, they will, uh, many will be offended and will betray, betray. And we'll hate one another. There we are. Verse 10. Right there, Matthew 24, 10, is the perfect description. I mean, of you, you, if you pay any attention to the news, it's all there. It's, you don't have to wonder if people are being offended. You don't have to wonder if people are making accusations. It is really much all there. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. What are people hungry for? Love. What are we getting more of? More laws, because there's more lawlessness. The more lawlessness there is, the more lawless people are. The more laws you have to have to govern every little, you know, breath of their life because they can't, they don't have the righteousness of God in them to make the choice to do the right thing in the first place. And so he says here, uh, verse 24 now, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders so as, if possible, to deceive even the very elect. So this we see also, is a, 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 it's happening right now. We see the false Christ, false prophecies, prophets, um, antichrist spirits within the church itself. The, the group of believers, people, there's, there are believers in, that, in, those, in, those, in those groups that are true believers and followers of Jesus Christ, but they're also being deceived by these false Christs and the, the, the ones who pretend with lying, lying signs and wonders. Um, these are, again, end days uh, 
signs, signs of the end days. Um, but again, going back to what should we do? Um, there's a, there's a verse in, in Revelations nine where it goes out through the plagues and the bowls and the trumpets and everything. It says, "But the men, but mankind did not repent." As a matter of fact, the more God, we think God is judging us now. No, not quite yet. He will. He will. God, when God judges us, we will know it. He will use the elements. He will use uh, the things that he is. He will use his creation to bring his judgments, whether it's hailstones or winds or tsunamis or uh, he uses those. Those are his weapons. And they're by far huge, greater weapons than our little, you know, whatever we can put together, tanks and guns and radar and you know, um, CERN or whatever we're trying to do, punching holes in the universe so, or the atmosphere so we can connect to the second heaven. Anyway, that's off the subject. Sorry <laughs> for you little attention deficit people over there. Um, you can follow that one later. Uh, check it out at Steve Quayle or Tom Horn. You'll kind of open up another rabbit hole to follow. Um, so anyway, but the war in heaven is now on earth. And we have you know, very many manifestations of that. We have paganism, we have idolatry. You know, these things are not new. Paganism, idolatry, mythology, they have always been with us. Um, their authors, the devil, when he was thrown down in that war in heaven, thrown down to the earth, he didn't just pick one thing to do. He had all kinds of things, and he knew that he was going to come up against the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the genuine art of, uh, um, uh, revelation of Jesus Christ. So he, ahead of time, um, I don't think he knows everything. Obviously, he's not omniscient. But he knew that God had already intended because we were created from the foundation of the world, known before the foundation of the world. So I'm sure that Satan was around, Lucifer was around when God was doing some of these things. And I'm sure he got wind and figured it out that there was going to be a genuine uh, group, people called out, sons and daughters of the Most High God. And Satan knew he was going to create a snake pit it's much worse than the swamp, actually. It's the snake pit that every man is born into. And through that, he was going to concoct all kinds of mindsets, belief systems, terror, fear, anxiety, panic, mental health issues, starvation, all kinds of addictions, all every assortment of sexual assault and perversions and abuse and hatred and contempt and injustice and offense and rejection. <clears throat> and could I, should I go on? I'm sure I missed a few. Uh, hatred, anger, violence, bloodshed, murder, to create a, a snake pit that was so difficult to manipulate or maneuver or live in. And that was not for just to create a problem for people. It, it, it was actually his laboratory. Satan is a very, he's the expert psychologist. And he, he was going to obscure the divine nature of God by creating, throwing us into his laboratory. We were becoming you know, rats in his, his experiments to pervert our minds and get us to believe lies that we're human doings instead of human beings, and we are what we do, and he wants us to hate ourselves and to hate God and to get, think God hates us. So everything he's, he's uh, uh, reformatted our brains to believe through the body of death is to believe that he's right, that Satan is good, that he's our, he's our savior. He's come to help and save us. And so we have pragmatism, we have paganism, we have idolatry, we have atheism, we have... Um, agnosticism, we have any kind of ism you want. And every ism is really okay and to be praised and to be, you know, commended, except the followers of Jesus Christ. They're the only true enemy to Satan. Everything else is good because he's the creator of it or he's the instigator of it. 
So what can you say when you, when you run into all of this external insanity, like, um, like going to music festivals where people are like um, so seeking, so lost, and yet they claim they're found, they claim they've got peace. And if they've got so much peace, why are they coming there to drink, to carry on to crowds, to be perverted, to do orgies, or whatever, to find peace? If you already got peace, why would you do all that stuff? Anyway, they, have, they all have souls, and it's very sad. But going back to the pag- paganism, that is nothing new. As a matter of fact, the whole world was filled with pag- paganism and idolatry and witchcraft. And mythologies were just a number of very cleverly woven stories. You've got fairies, you've got fairy tales, you've got fantasy worlds, you've got legends, you've got... Uh, mythology, you get all kinds of things, to create other options to the biblical story of the one true God. And, and you know, and, and so people now use that as an argument. Well, well, Jesus isn't unique. There were many uh, holy families. There were many Jesus figures. You know, we have um, Tamar and uh, uh, Nimrod and then Tammuz, I think, was their, their son or whatever. You've got all kinds of counterfeit garbage that people can say, well, this is the truth. This is the truth. But I'm going to tell you something. The true truth is Jesus Christ, and he is the only one. In him is life. He is the giver of life. He is the sustainer of life. He is the one who gives us peace. He is the one who gives us eternal life. The rest of these things are going to crash and burn, and whoever's with them, driving with them, riding in them, believing in them, will crash and burn with them. These counterfeits, like Paul said, you know, uh, who has bewitched you? Who has? When we go back to the church itself, we have that question always before us in Galatians. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now, he's talking to the Christians, those who saw Jesus re- resurrect. Some, some of them maybe saw him in person when he was walking around healing people. Who has bewitched you? I would say that to us. Who, church people, has bewitched you? Who has bewitched us as individuals to believe that our answers are in Got man-made, artificial, superficial medications, meditations, mantras, uh, artificial, you know, whatever. That is nothing. Bewitched, bewitched, switched, twisted, perverted, bewitched. A spell has been cast upon us. Our, we have stupor. We, 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 we're led a, a, around, you know, like, like a lamb to the slaughter. We don't even know that there's a slaughter behind those doors, whatever that you should obey. He says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Why is the truth fallen out of favor with the humankind? Why is it not so, so luscious and sought out and, and lusted after? Because it's the truth. And who's the God of this world? The devil. And what is he? He's a liar. Do you think he likes truth? Do you think he wants people to find the truth? Why wouldn't he? He doesn't want him to find the truth because the truth is Jesus Christ. Does Satan, the liar, Lucifer, the counterfeiter, want you to find and fall in love with Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. So why does he, so he sets up all these, it's like, oh, you know, like these little games where you have this, these mazes and there's all these little pathways and there's blocked here and blocked there and you keep going and you've run into another block. But there's one path that gets you from start to finish, to start to finish, one path. But it may take, you may hit every dead end, every blocked way before you finally figure out the one true way. But that's the life. It's, it's full of things that look good, look promising. Oh, this is going to do it for me. And then you run into a final dead end. Well, at, at the point of your death, 
let's pray to God that you figured out and you found out and followed and and were, uh, I don't know, I guess the word would be rescued by Jesus Christ so that you don't go on in your deceptions. So the Spirit, he says this, Paul, you, you, you saw Jesus. He was portrayed among you clearly. He was crucified. You know why he was crucified. This only I want to learn from you. He says, okay, after you know all that, walked with Jesus, saw the miracles, saw him die on the cross for our sins. Did you, he says, question, did you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, capital S, by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So he's going to make a point here, and the point is a dividing line, uh, even in the church. Up to that point, the, the church had been filled with um, the, the, the Jewish traditions were filled with laws, regulations, t- traditions, um, ceremonies, etc., etc., and that they were sacred. Uh, the people held them sacred because they were given by God. And now Jesus is coming saying, well, I'm going to do a new thing here. It's not going to be keeping the law anymore. It's going to be obeying through faith, believing, hearing of faith. Faith. Faith in what? Faith in the promise of eternal life. Faith in the good things to come. Not, not keeping the law of works and performance and perfection. And, and with, that opens it up to failure and fault. And, but the hearing of faith, which opens it up to the promises of God. He says, are you so foolish? Now here he says, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? These people are people he taught and trained to walk in the Spirit. Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? We could say the same thing to the churches today. Did you, you got saved through the Spirit, not through works, not through performance. But now, as you're born again and saved, walking in the, you're going to take on, make, be perfected by, by vestments and holy water and genuflecting and, uh, you know, masses and sermons and programs and conferences. Is that how you're going to be made perfect? Uh, He says, you forget this. Miracles, where do they come from? Do they come from the law, the works of the law, or by hearing of faith? faith? Miracles, where are the miracles in our churches? Where is the, the fear of God in our churches? We're so taken up with the offering that we forget that we are the offering. God is the offering. Jesus Christ, we, we... we want to give uh, our, our time, our talent. We want to look good, feel good, be praised, be noted, uh, be on the cover of some Christian magazine, make lots of money, have million-dollar houses. You've lost it. You've missed it. Those I would have to classify with the false prophets who are being praised and, and, and uh, 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 rewarded by not the, God, not the God of heaven because the God of heaven Following him, disciples of Jesus Christ means you're going to be persecuted, you're going to be betrayed, you're going to be dishonored, you're going to be crucified. But Satan temporarily honors his followers with acclaim, worldly benefits, money, uh, praise of men. But you know what? That's temporary, and it's all going to be gone before you know it. There's going to be nothing like that left. So all that's going to remain is Jesus Christ and what he's done for you and the truth of who you are in him. So going back to what Paul is saying, in the church, out of the church, in the world, everywhere you go, there's deception, uh, there's paganism. There, uh, these things are offered, uh, authored, authored by Satan and his counterfeit brigade that has blended just enough truth from the original story, creation, the flood, the, anything, whatever, just enough truth in it, 
He blends the truth with the lie to make it palatable, to make it believable, to make it disqualify the original and the true one. Because now we have this one, it's so much like this, the counterfeit is so much like the real, he's trying to disqualify the existence of the real. But why would he make the counterfeit like the real unless the real was important? Why wouldn't he go and make his own $3 bills instead of trying to counterfeit a, 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 you know, a $20 bill? Why does he go make a $30 bill? But because the $20 bill is the real thing. So just the very fact that all these counterfeits there, they actually enforce the fact that the real is genuinely from God, the original maker of truth. So we have this deception that has permeated every fiber of the fabric that actually God has allowed Satan. God does not tempt men with evil, neither can he be tempted with evil. That's very important to know because in this crazy, 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 twisted, perverted everything, Satan is making God look like he's the crazy one, he's the bad one, he's the mean one, he's the one who twists everything around. But in Isaiah 25, there's an interesting verse in there. Well, there's lots of interesting verses, but um, it says, um, where should I start reading there? Um, okay, 25, chapter 25. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have done wonderful things. Your counsels of old are faithfulness, faithfulness and truth. Okay, there you have it. You have made a city a ruin, a fortified city a ruin. A ruin. He goes on to talk about the, the terrible nations will fear you. For you have been a strength to the poor. Yes, a strength to the needy in his distress. A refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. For the, from the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. You have reduced the noise of aliens as the heat in a dry place. As the heat in the shadow of a cloud, the song of the terrible one will be diminished. So he's talking about God protecting us in the midst of these terrible ones who bring scorching heat and oppression and storms and um, alien noises. Don't know if that's aliens from outer space or other countries. I don't know. Maybe a little of everything. And in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast. He's going to set up a feast. And he says, and he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all peoples and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord, of ho uh, the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. This is who God really is. He is he's the protector. He's the one who shelters us. He's our refuge, our pavilion, a strong tower. Um, and he is going to destroy the surface of the covering. This surface of the covering cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations, over their eyes, um, is what we're talking about. It's that it, it, Satan coming as an angel of light, counterfeiting the true gospel, uh, working among the heathens and the pagans uh, in their lusts and orgies and spells and incantations and bewitchings. Um, it's all over. It's everywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. The only haven of truth for you, if you're really interested, is to get on the rock, Christ Jesus, or you probably already are on the rock and don't know it, but you need to be sheltered by that rock and you need to get into the Word of God. And I was, I believe truly that it's it's treachery to you know I I have the U version of Bible app on my phone which is great, but you still need to get into the book 
the B-O-O-K with pages and page numbers and references. Because when you read the actual hard copy book of the Bible, it is, it's like a sword. It's like now you see it on the page. You read it, you hear it, you see it, and pages, you know, it's on a certain spot on the page. It's like it becomes much more uh, um, recognizable, much more a part of who you are. And so for, for anybody who's floundering in any kind of um, deception, by the way, and you can, here's, here's an easy way to tell if you're floundering in deception. Okay, Jesus said, simple, simple, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, John eight thirty two, I think it is, Jesus. He says, whom the sense that's free is free indeed. You shall know the truth. The truth will set you free. You are my disciple. If you continue in my word, continue in my word, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will sh- so sh- shall set you free. Either it says set or make. To me, it's kind of the same thing. Shall make you free or set you free. So we're in that place where the word can bring us to freedom. So if truth equals freedom, then lies equal bondage and bondage equals lies. And be honest with yourself. You know, don't, you don't have to, you know, beat yourself up over the head with reality when you already know the truth. But the truth is that if you are in bondage to fear, anxiety, health issues, addictions to medications, you're not free. If you're in bondage to poverty and being falsely accused, and being tangled up in uh, fear and anxiety and addictions and gluttony and greed and covetousness and murder and hatred and violence and unforgiveness. You are not free. You are not free. That means you're not believing the truth. That means you're believing a lie. So the simplest way to do this is to find, ask Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, to show you what the lie is and where you first believed it because everything down here moves forward on agreements. You know, you either agree, whose report are you going to believe? Uh, you say, well, I, I'm not a Christian. It doesn't matter. I can believe whatever I want to believe. Or I'm a Christian, and, and so I believe God. Okay, whose report are you going to believe? And, and you know what? When you believe God, th- that's I believe God, follow God, I desire God's will. What happens with the devil? He's not, he's not totally convinced you believe. He's going to set up an option where you're going to be persuaded or waver or be tested to give up, you know, go with doubt and or go with it's never going to change or I tried it and it didn't work and, you know, God doesn't hear me, God doesn't listen to me. So Satan is going to set up something in your your uh, level of commitment to cause you to waver from the truth. And that, that debate or that war that fell from heaven is now going on in your soul, between your soul and your spirit. Your soul was programmed by uh, Satan in his laboratory, to teach you to believe I'm bad, I'm no good, I'm never going to make it, nobody loves me, i got to try harder, i got to work to prove myself, i got to lose five pounds, i got to whatever, I, I need this to be happy, whatever it is. He, he's programming you through the body of death operating software, and that is loaded down into your soul. But in, when you get saved, God gives us a new set of software. It's called the Spirit. So God's Spirit bears witness with, with our spirit so that we can know stuff. We don't have to think, feel, and try to figure it out. And by the way, when you try to feel and figure things out, forget it. You've, you're already deceived. Don't even go any further. Don't waste your time. When you're trying to feel better and, and manage your feelings and think you're feeling once you feel okay, you'll be okay, that's, gonna, that's an endless, that's an endless uh, a circle of nowhere and nothing. It, does, it, it never ends. 
It's never good enough, never enough, never will end. you got to stop listening to your soul and all of its whining to feel better, to feel full, to feel satisfied, to feel meaning, feel, 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 feel. And go with your spirit. You say, well, I, I don't know if I can be that, you know. I mean, that might hurt to walk in the spirit. You know what? You're in the war. You might as well make it count. You might as well, you know, you're going to suffer. And you might as well suffer for righteousness' sake and for love's sake. Because you're going to suffer anyway because Satan is no friend of yours. And he's going to beat you up in the end after he's got you all beat up in your soul. And now on, on drugs and medications and crippled and broken and defeated and discouraged and hate yourself. So what's he going to do next to you? Wrap you up in a little bundle and throw you in the fire. That's what he's going to do. So you don't want to go there. So we need to start walking in the spirit because God's spirit bears witness with our spirit. He, we can know the truth. He says, for what man knows the things of a man, except the spirit of the man which is in him. But God has revealed those things to us by his spirit that we might know. So God, I want you to know that you can know what you know. But you're going to have to stand up too and say no to the devil. You, you, it's your life. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to just kind of give it away, you know, kick it down the road like a dead can, or are you going to pick it up and live it? And what are you going to do? Are you going to make a difference? Oh, yeah, I want to make it. Well, yeah, you bet you want to make a difference because you're made by God to want to make a difference. How are you making a difference by hating yourself? How, how is you being your own worst enemy and grumbling and murmuring and, and cursing yourself with words or, or, or getting up in the morning and, and defeating yourself before you get up? Got <laughs> I heard a song at this music festival this weekend. Only song I heard because I don't enjoy their music. And it's a pagan festival, actually. And I don't go there to be a pagan. I go there to pray and encourage them and bring them out of this. But anyway, the only song I heard that the lyrics were, I got up on the wrong side of the bed. I get up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. How many times did they sing that? Is that edifying? Is that any excuse? I don't get up on the wrong side of the bed. I get up on the, on the side of the bed I get up on. And I say, praise God, I'm here. I'm up. Let's go. What are we doing today, God? You know, how are you going to live your life? Like letting it live you or are you going to live it? You say, well, I give up. I've tried this and I've tried that and it doesn't work and I'm still here and there and whatever. And it's, you know what? Stop trying to live your life and be and let the Holy Spirit abide in you and you are abiding in the vine. When you abide in the vine and let the vine be, you know, you're connected with him in relation to the branch, you cannot help but be what the vine is. So stop worrying about your life. It's already fine. It's already good. It's not about you. It's not about you getting rid of your sin. It's not about you being good enough to, to be loved by God. God loves you because he is love. He cannot not love you. Okay, but that doesn't mean he's going to bless every naughty thing you do. Just like any other parent. You love your children, but you love them too much to let them stick their finger in the light socket and carry on scribbling up the walls and throwing fits. You know, when the kid runs you because of their behavior and you think you can't correct them because then you won't love them, you are the one who's been deceived. And you're also the one who's enslaved. Kids are enslaving their parents every day. You got everything going on out there. You got Parents beating up and abusing and sexually assaulting their kids and violating them and sacrificing them. And you've got kids throwing tantrums and controlling their parents and whining. And it's not good either way. The only thing that's good is Jesus Christ and he's the truth and he wants to live his, his life through you. So, so, so Paul says, Jesus said it too. He says, beware of false prophets. Let's go back to the church for a minute. Those of you who have probably been in some church, maybe it's time to get out of that church. I'm not mincing my words anymore. You know what? I'm getting too old to do that. I've been, I've seen this stuff for, um, let's see, 40 years, and I'm older than that. I've seen it for 60-some years, but 
probably the first six, seven, eight years, I didn't see through it. But I've been in it. But, you know, it says, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. I'm so nice. My I'll, I'll give money to my cause. I'm this and that. And they're nothing but liars and gangsters and, and some of them. Not all of them, but you don't know. I've seen it. I've seen people who are actually drug dealers who come to you as, as missionaries. <clears throat> yeah. Because they have an undercover operation and their storefront is, uh, uh, you know, some foreign country, some little Latin American country where they, you know, can cover their operation. Oh, that's good. That's a good way. You mix drugs and smuggling drugs with mission work. Oh, that's a, that's a nice one. That's that's who would ever suspect that. Come on, people. Wake up. It's out there. Um, but inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Here you go, people. Jesus said, by their fruits, you shall know them. Become fruit inspectors. Does a fruit inspector, is that the same as judging? No, no, and no. Jesus said, judge not. Paul says, don't judge, because if you judge, Satan's going to judge you for judging. He's going to judge you with the same thing that you judge them with. So the judgment belongs to the judge. You're not the judge. So turn the crimes committed that you find committed against you or others over to the court of heaven. But know them by their fruits. You know, you can tell if the tree needs help because of the fruit that's coming off of it. You, you know, you, you people, when, when whatever you're doing, there's only two kingdoms, by the way, so this is not complicated. There's heaven and there's hell. And heaven is full of peace and rest and truth and justice, blessing, encouragement, um, I don't know, love, life, etc. The kingdom of hell is full of con- confusion and chaos, drama, trauma, bitterness, witchcraft, stress, fear, anxiety, failure, you know, doubt, exhaustion. So if whatever you're doing or thinking, or you see somebody else doing or thinking, reduces down to fear and failure and stress and exhaustion, the root of it, the original original place, the place of the lie, the place of the thing that they're believing that's motivating them to do or manifesting in them, is the place of hell. It's from hell. Very simple. So when you know them by their fruits, you're fruit inspecting. Say, you know what? I see where this has come from. Therefore, I know what it is. You know, when they said to Jesus, okay, Jesus, who are you? Prove to us who you are. Why do you keep us in doubt? Why do you keep us confused? And, and he says, who gives you, they, they said, who gives you this right, this authority to do all this? How can you do all this stuff? They couldn't deny he was doing it, but they wanted to know how he was doing it and who gave him the right to do it. And his simple answer was, I know who I am and I know where I came from. Duh. Where'd he come from? He knew who he was because he knew where he came from. Do you know who you are? Well, you would if you know where you came from and you didn't come from your mother. That's a second stopping point. You came from God. And if, you know, God made us in his image to come back to him, to love him, to know him. And Satan set up this crazy, chaotic mess down here to try to separate us from the love of God and get us to believe that God doesn't love us, that he's mean and mad and bad and, and he doesn't care and he's, he doesn't even exist anymore for crying out loud. That's what they want you to believe. That's why your teenagers are having so much problems these days because the, the number one lie out there among the millennials, well, they have lots of lies, but num- one of the primary lies that they believe is that God does not exist. Okay, so if God does not exist then what? Well, then I'm on my own. 
Okay, it's up to me. Got to take care of myself. Take control. Take charge. Don't let anybody tell me what to do. Don't let me push me around. And if God is doesn't exist, and 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 I'm on my own, um, that could be pretty pretty scary, you know. And if God does not exist, then it doesn't matter what I do. I can do whatever I want. So there is no protections. There is no common sense. There is no barriers to keep you from, you know, doing the reckless, stupid, careless things that Satan would get you to do to get your life in jeopardy. So if God does not exist, and, and you know what? God does exist. I don't care how much you don't think so. I don't care what truth you believe that tells you God is not, does not exist. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't change the truth. The truth is the truth, and the truth will be the truth. And don't you wish you'd be on the right side when this is all said and done? When your time is up and you got no more choices to make and you got no more options to get in or get out? Wouldn't you wish that you would have said, Oh, yeah, God, Jesus, you're right. You don't want to have to say that when you when you when you get it at the last second and you're in front of God right there, and all of a sudden the whole this the veil is pulled away from your eyes. All the fabrics, all the fascinations, all the fantasies, all the Harry Potter, all the lies, all the lusts, all the perversions, all the, the, the textbook re-altering of history, taking flags out of this and, and, and making the, the bad guys look good and the good guys look bad, tearing down statues of people we don't like anymore. Come on, people. Burning our tennis shoes because now that company is, is gone berserk. You know what? Just wear plain clothes anyway and you'll be fine. Don't put marks and symbols. Symbols, by the way, this is off the subject again for you, attention deficit. Well, listen up here. Did you see the war on symbols? The war this just this weekend on symbols. Um, not that I'm going to get political here, but we have this movie coming out, First Man. It's about the guy, Neil Armstrong, on the moon. And they erased the flag, the American flag, from that moon movie. So that's a symbol. American flag's a symbol. Then they had this big war on the Nike symbol, the just do it, you know, symbol because of their positions. Now, here's the deal. The war is on symbols. Symbols mean things. When you wear things that are, have symbols on them, you are aligning yourself with that, that theology, that philosophy, that, that company's um, uh, core values. So if you don't, you, if, skulls, peace signs, um, you know, hearts, uh, flags. Did you know that the five-pointed star on the American flag, when it's pointed down, is a Baphomet or a, a, a part of the pentagram? It's a, it's a demonic occultic symbol. But when it's pointed the right way, it's patriotic. They're, the symbols are used by both sides. That's how cunning and close the counterfeits are. You know, but how are you using it? Don't, if you, if you, don't give yourself inadvertently to come into an agreement with stuff you don't want to be in agreement with. Don't eat food you don't want to be part of your body. For example, there is, you know, God's recommended food list. Now we're off the subject a little bit more. But this is how the, the crazy truth is being, is being perverted, twisted, and used against you. God has a recommended food list. He said, eat the fruit that I've given you, the fruit with the seed in it, the green herbs for your food. Then later after Noah and the flood, he gave them permission to eat meat. Okay, so, the, you know what, the thing is, all right, um, what are we coming into an agreement with? In what you say, what you think, what you wear, what you eat, what you listen to, what you listen through your headphones, 
why are you so messed up and muddied up and cluttered up because of all this junk? It's, it's like you keep jumping around in the mud puddle and wonder why you get muddy. You know, depart. And this goes for the churches you're in, too. You go in there, sit there on Sunday, probably, if you're a good church-going person, if you haven't given up on it yet, and they dump you with a double message. You know, the grace and goodness and the love of God on one side, and on the other side, try harder, be good, and get rid of your sin, and do this, this, and this. So it's a mixed message that actually brings people to sickness. If you, I have physical sickness I'm talking here. I'm not just talking... Oh, yeah, I don't, you know, it's a religious thing. It won't mess with you. It won't, won't bother anything else. Listen to what Romans says. I know we're jumping around, but you know what? You can handle it. Romans 11, because it's all the same thing. It's all deception on every level. He says, okay, Romans, he's talking about, um, uh, even so at this present time, 11.5, at this present time, there is a, a remnant according to the election of grace. He's talking about the followers of Jesus Christ. And if by grace, it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. If you keep mixing grace with works, grace is not grace. But if it is of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So if you mix works with grace, it's no longer work. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks. Why? Because they keep mixing the two. And a lot of Christians do that too. But the elect have obtained it, and the rest were hardened. That means they, they missed it. They didn't get it. They didn't see it. Their eye, they couldn't see it. And this is just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor. God, I thought you said God cannot tempt us with evil, neither does he tempt any man. And he's not tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man, James chapter 1. Well, this is what this means, is God has given them a spirit of stupor. God has permitted a spirit of stupor to take his place because they've agreed. They want, they've requested, they lobbied for, they voted for um, a mixture of law and grace. So stupor says, hey, 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 objection, your honor, they're mine. Because they're not really believing the cross is it and the cross is good and they're saved by faith. They're, they're still believing they got to do some works to get rid of their sins. So therefore, I get to minister to them a spirit of stupor. And God says, well, that is the rule. You know, God lets Satan be all that he can be. He's not going to you know, say, why do you get all this bad stuff happen? Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that maybe next time. I tell you what, that is the biggest stumbling block out there. Why? If God is so good, he let all this bad stuff happen. And then you, God must be bipolar and insane. That's what a lot of people think God is. He's bipolar and insane. Nope, he's not. Um, he's good. He's full of love, goodness, justice, truth. If he wouldn't be the standard of righteousness and truth and justice, where would you ever finally hope to get any justice? Where would you ever hope to finally get this life and the promise is kept if God isn't the promise keeper. If God is bipolar and double-minded and, and fickle and, and impressed by some and not others and bought off and bribed and or a bully, what are you hoping for in the end? You got nothing if your God is that. God, by his very nature, as the all-preexistent, all-sufficient one, is everything that is good <clears throat> and love. So, but God permits this spirit of stupor. So what happens in the stu stu stupor is that they get eyes. Their eyes don't work. They don't see it. They don't perceive it. They misperceive it. They eat it. They don't see what they're eating. They don't realize it's poison. They don't discern it. Um, they're not inspecting and understanding the fruit. The ears they should, that they should, uh, that they should not hear to this very day. Jesus said what? 
discern the fruit. By the fruit you shall know them. Your eyes, your ears, your taste buds, nothing is working. It's not registering properly. Everything is permitted, permitted, and going in and doing its damage. So David says, adds to the curse, he says, okay, so stupors, they don't have any clue what's going on. And David adds, and he says, well, in, in addition, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stomach block and a recompense to them, and let their eyes be darkened that they may not see, and bow down their back always. Oh, this sounds like it's getting a little more personal here. We're talking about your table. Well, what do you do at a table? Well, I can think of three things you do at a table. Well, maybe four, but the three would be basically you eat food, okay, and you have conversations oftentimes around the dinner table. And then you also make and write agreements and contracts. <clears throat> and when you do that, it says your, your table will become a snare if you live in the place of law and grace, mixing the two. So what's going to happen is there will be no sense of well-being. There will be no sense of satisfaction or completion. There will be only disruption, anxiety. That's what it says. There will be uh, a, t- a snare and a trap. Their table will become a snare and trap. In some versions, it says their well-being will become um, ensnared and trapped. If you don't have a sense of well-being or peace, nothing else matters. Nothing, everything else is not peaceful then. Everything else is a problem. Everything else is an irritation because you don't have peace from within. And it becomes the table will become a stumbling block and a recompense. What do you suppose you're eating at that table, and how is that messing with your health? And then he says, their eyes are going to be darkened, their backs are going to be bowed down. It's going to, their, their loins are going to become to shake um, continually. Anxiety will take over because of the deception and the, and the divination and the div- division <clears throat> that we're set up in opposition to ourselves, which makes us un- uh, vulnerable and a prey. So th- these are the stumbling blocks. This is how Satan has set up the church, the followers of God, the disciples of Jesus Christ. And if you don't keep your eyes really, truly, by the power of the Holy Spirit, on, on him, on God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will, we will be, it says, if we're, if we're possible, even the very elect will be de- deceived. Paul says it this way, for I know this. He knows this. I mean, he's worked hard. Jesus worked hard to build the church, to put in the truth. And Paul gave us a lot of good information, a lot of books there that really straighten this whole thing out if you read it. Um, if God is so good, then why? It really straightens out the war, the, the understanding the spiritual warfare, the war between God and Satan. But Paul says, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So remember that Jesus said those wolves would dress up like sheep. They'd look like to be part of you. The, the, wolf, the Jezebels coming into the church looking like volunteers and, and um, intercessors and um, volunteers to help the pastor and, uh, yeah, treachery. And you know what? Because people in the church are very gullible and very naive and very unfamiliar with deception and treachery and divination. They'll just, oh, I'm so glad you're here, and embrace the wolves. The, the flock will be overtaken with these who come in looking like sheep, but they're not. He says, also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves. How many of you have been drawn away by some high-powered, you know, fancy, you know, well-known, uh, spiritual, uh, I don't know, teacher, book writer, who is a big conference over here, and you go rushing to the conference to give them 20 bucks to get in or 200 bucks to get in and buy 40 bucks worth of books, whatever you do. And what have they told you? They have mixed lies with truth. 
and you come out, you know, get your book autographed, and you come out of there and you're just as depressed and just as lost and just as confused and just as mad as you were before. And or what they do is they pump you up to try harder, so you go for another week trying really hard to get it this time. I'm going to get my self-help book, my self-improvement classes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat this thing. I'm going to control my life. I'm going to take authority. You cannot control anything. If you wouldn't have any breath or neurological transmissions going on in your body, you know, if you wouldn't have any breath, you'd be dead after a bit. A couple, three, four, ten minutes. So don't think you're all that powerful. Your only power, the true power you have is to submit and surrender to Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, if you confess that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead and believe it in your heart, you're saved. You're in. That's your citizenship ticket. That's a transfer of citizenship. But then there's also the walking it out, which is called sanctification. That's the part where we follow Jesus and he gets rid of the junk and we say, oh, that. I like that. Oh, that's part of me. Don't throw that. Jesus says, we got to get rid of that. That's stupid. It's no good. It's killing you. It's poison. It's full of mold. See, it's not working. You know, so your whole process after you get saved is one of cleaning the house, cleaning the house, cleaning the house. So Paul is saying, be careful. He says, for such are the false apostles. Satan comes as a false apostle, a deceitful worker. These are the Jezebels. These are the witches transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. We are loaded. We are so infested with these treacherous, deceitful workers of iniquity in the midst of it. It's almost like you almost have to just go start over again, you know, because most of the time that the witches and the Jezebels have so deceived many of the people that are in leadership that they're immersed, enamored, um, ensnared, already caught in their web. So when Satan is coming like this, you know that we're in the end days. We're in the day. You are in the end days. Don't kid yourself. You've got a few days left, maybe a week, maybe a year, maybe five years. Maybe Jesus will come in less than 20 years. I don't know. All I know is he says, when you see these things happen, look up for your salvation, your redemption. He said, draws nigh. He's coming. Satan, he says, these false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of light. This is one of the signs of the end, too. Be not deceived, Jesus said. Satan, he says himself, transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Don't mix, the, don't mix these things. Don't mix the, the, the lies of Satan, the little cute things, uh, you know, the gnomes, the fairies, the, 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 the icons, the statues, the this, the that. Don't mix those with righteousness and truth because... Any little place you've given a place to the devil, anything that's been dedicated to him becomes a landing strip for him, a, a permission, an authorized landing strip for him to come back into your life. Don't harbor, because you're fascinated, curious, or it's, you're collecting or whatever, books uh, uh, of witchcraft and Satanism and paganism. And I see these little fairy gardens. Stupid. Why would you do that? It's trolls. Why would you do that? Gnomes, why would you do that? That's stupid. You're just, again, wearing the shirts and inviting Satan to land in your life. The, the shirts dedicated to skulls and witchcraft. And, and that, that, that kind of leads us into Halloween, which we won't get into today. But you know what? It's pretty obvious what Halloween is. It's really sugar-coated witchcraft. You give these kids a chance to dress up. They're participating in the pagan holiday. You have no idea what the month of September is. I'll, I'll leave you with this little lovely thought. 
September is the preparation month for Halloween. Halloween is October 31st. But September is when they do all their blood sacrifices. That's when they, they kill human beings. They sacrifice them to give Satan blood and power. They're giving, they're worshiping him. When you worship Satan by doing what he says, you know, practicing witchcraft or being fascinated by it or dressing up like it or, you know, putting on the masks or, you know, going to the parties, where you are giving power to the devil through worship. You may think, oh, it's just an innocent little thing. No, it's not. Nothing on this earth is innocent. Nothing is meaningless. Nothing has no point or purpose. Nothing has no roots. Everything comes from somewhere, either heaven or hell. So remember, we're in, we're in September. Now, I hate to say this, and I plead the blood of Jesus for this to not happen and for God's mercy to spare the innocent. But this is when there's a lot of deaths, mysterious deaths, suicides, crazy accidents, bizarre things that happen to people. Um, more than even usual. So we plead the blood of Jesus, Father God, over the month of September in, in the lives, the September month, for everybody who's listening to this and for their loved ones. We plead the blood of Jesus to protect us from death and deception, divination, and the devil. And we ask that you lead us into all truth, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that we have chosen to follow you. And we know that it's really your job to keep us in that commit, uh, in that uh uh, committing of ourselves to you. You are the one who is perfecting that which concerns us. You, Paul says, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded. He is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. So in this, Lord, we commit ourselves to you, this people, and bless and protect us, Lord, and deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Father, from the evil one, actually, is what your word says. And lead us not into temptation. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.